You're listening to Thursday Nights, Season 4, Episode 133. the facets of fate over on the east coast of Faerun, or it's not even a coast over there, oh, the, the easterly side of, of Faerun are dealing with wizards and towers and ghosts and strange oh isolated towns. Mock, Bairn, Grumbar, Essen, and Aurora are aboard Grumbar, not Grumbar, Grumbar's airship, kinda, no, uh, Snowbane's Gift, the uh, innovative, unique, teleporting airship. Super ship. Headed to the Sword Coast to take care of a few different pieces of business. Our heroes, we join our heroes a mere two days travel outside of Silvery Moon. I almost said Waterdeep. Silvery Moon. Two days travel outside of Silvery Moon. If you look here on the map, it is over here at the River Ralvin. Uh, that general area there. Um, having recently finished the uh, finished the repairs on Snowbane's gift from some damage that it uh, damage that it took executing the. What do we call it? The jump? The teleport? The place of power jump or something? Or I don't know what it was. The space-time jump, just space, just the space jump uh, through a place of power that working together they had found. They are a uh, they are less than a week since splitting up from the rest of the group here, making good time. The jump dropped them out. Uh, as close to Silvery Moon as they could have hoped with a bit more damage than they were expecting. So a day's worth of repairs have just been completed and Snowbane's gift is uh, is back in the air this fine mid-morning heading towards Silvery Moon. And uh, I forgot to change the music. Back in the air. Oh, that's right. Dan will be playing Grumbar tonight. Happy Grumbar. <laughs> uh, one logistical thing before uh, we get jump on, I think it was answered, because I it's such nostalgia looking at this chunk of the map. Where was Oakhurst? Is that... Oakhurst was oh, uh, down here her. in this forest uh, north of Waterdeep. Oh, very close to Waterdeep. Yeah, if you remember... Wait, Oakhurst is the one with the... It's on the Citadel, right? The, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. If you remember, there was a remember they had like ride through the night to go get a cure for the uh, for the right, oh, and yeah. it was just a day, so it was like a day's. It was like a day okay. days hard uh, of hard travel. And I just so, forgot. It was this between Gauntalgrim and Helmshold, Mirror of Dead Men, Waterdeep, Oakhurst, Mithril Hall, Silver Moon. 
it's all in pretty close proximity. Yeah, maybe this is like Northern California compared to us like the going Bay across area. the map. It's close. Yeah, exactly. This really is like the the. I think Sam's right. California. I think it was here actually. Really? That's looking much more familiar. Yeah. Oh, it was south. I think it was that. I think it was that spot, a little south of Waterdeep. Okay. But yeah, it was a, you know it was tucked in a tucked in a little foresty area, not not on any of these maps. Because we we rode there on horses. Yeah. Beware. Of the so, mirror. Cool. thank you. You're in the air, <clears throat> on the way to Silvery Moon. You'll be there in two days. I'm opening the floor just in case Mock and Baron want to do any uh, discussion roleplay representing this time that you've spent you know, a few days yeah. on the way to Silvery Moon before uh, some some new people will be introduced, which could change the dynamic here. <clears throat> without Drewston. I definitely would, uh, but I would like to leave. I would like to take the torch and redirect the torch to Grumbar. If Grumbar's here and has some introductions to be done, I would invite that even first before things that I would like to do. If the ground's <laughs> open to it. Um, just, uh, just logistically, are uh, either Kevin or Kalen playing any of the other uh, on board people? Oh, that's a nope. good question. The two Kevins will be introduced when we reach Silvery Moon. Does that sound right, other Kevin? That sounds good to me. Yeah, no one is playing yeah. Essen is the simple answer. That's, the only, that's the only character that's... Uh, I'm playing Aurora. Essen, not nobody. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Aurora was here. Oh, oh, and Aurora, sorry. That's yeah. Aurora. Aurora. Aurora Don't and Aurora. Um, Aurora's an intern. She does not get above the title credit. Scrim considers her a member of the party. Um, Scrim's missing three. Um, I didn't have a specific thing. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I um, if if unless there's a specific thing, actually, yeah. I will. I'm opening pass the floor to people that have something. I'll pass I the torch back, Eric. So, Mark, what's on your mind? <laughs> <laughs> I know that was said in character, but uh, if I were to go with that um, as an actual piece of dialogue, it would be rude because Mop would subsequently leave the room and not talk to Grumbar about this piece. <laughs> Sorry. That's fair. That's fair. Mop, Mop That's finds a moment, a quiet moment, uh, where he is above decks, high on top. The top deck, kind of holding on to the ballista as it points off threateningly in some direction. Kind of like a rakish pirate or sailor, just staring out across the vista. Who's yeah, there with you? Like, touch giant weapons. Yeah. I mean, a, a dwarf hanging onto a ballista several hundred feet above the air is the kind of experience that Mach has learned to revel in in this current lifestyle they live. Like, if you're gonna have to do this kind of thing, uh, this is this is like a, the, the good part to own. And, and who's so he's up, up there. Who's up there with you? And he invites Baron and Aurora to join him. Ah, Aurora was already up there, yeah, when he when he heads up there. She's uh, not, not manning the, the or, or, or using the ballista, but rather uh, she's, she's touching it up, 
She's got yeah. uh, some of uh, Mock's tools uh, sort of spread out, attached with little tethers to make sure that they can't fall off of the uh, of the airship as she's going and just kind of like oiling up some parts and, and touching it up as, as Mock and Baron come on up. How many tools fell off until they came up with that idea? With Mock hmm. uh, in charge, I feel like it'd be one. <laughs> Someone else loses his tools and he flexes. <laughs> Um, yeah, he, uh, he, he goes up and he, he sees Aurora there and he says, ever since you installed this nice piece of equipment, you've been, uh, right on repairs and maintenance. I applaud you, Aurora. He says, I have a good uh, teacher. he says, uh, keep your work, but, uh, bend your ear to me. I've got something to to share with you. And I've asked my cousin to join us. He ought to be up here in a spell when he's ready. And then just uh, takes out his pipe and begins smoking, surveying the scenery as he waits for Baron to join them topside. Baron arrives. It's a very small ship. And uh, there's a good chance that he even heard Mox saying that as a you know, maybe over the sound of the wind, outdoors, indoors, be a little bit of a challenge. But he arrives shortly because Mock said, meet me up, Jack, for a second. And Baron wasn't doing anything else in particular, so came on up. As he shows up, you know. And you, as you arrive, you realize that this, this is one of the more secluded places on their tight little ship. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've made such a, such a kind of... Uh, a kind of such a, a, a factor of how thin the walls are and how we are able to both have private conversations that also are, you know, necessarily and importantly public. Um, but here's a place where true privacy can be had. There is quite a bit of, of kind of air that surrounds us and, you know, the northernmost point of the ship. And as he, as, as Banner eyes, Mock hangs his head a little bit and he says, uh, well, well, Bairn and Aurora, uh, Bairn, I, I specifically asked you to come with us back here to the West. And Aurora, I know you've been thinking deeply about this lifestyle. And I feel like I need to share with you more about my purposes for heading West before we get too deep into this next adventure. Bear, so so, hopefully you can help me through this, and Aurora. So you might think of it as you make your decision on what lies to your future. But my my story isn't honestly as simple as I've represented it. I uh, have fifty thousand gold. Fifty thousand gold was were the words spoken to me by those. Slimy bureaucrats in Waterdeep. The the price set for my hmm, my penance, for my reinstitution into the the um, master of tradesmen's organization. There, the ability to own property, conduct commerce, be a business owner with with honor and recognition amongst their circle. But uh, I've always known in my heart it's a farce. The damage done to my reputation is not something that can simply be done or undone in gold. 
as much as I would like to believe it. First off, it's simply not how the world works. But I saw their faces that day. That price wasn't a price to be paid. That, was, that price was what, what they considered unobtainable for me. A way to be rid of me without throwing me in the, the jail. Without hanging me from a noose. That was, that was the number to be rid of me once and for all. <laughs> I, uh, I take some pleasure in the fact that they'll, they never expect me to be walking through their door, laden with gold and victory as we are. But he hangs his head somber, takes a big dra- drag of that pipe, and he says, but honestly, <laughs> it, w- it would be a small and short-lived victory, for the likely outcome would simply be a uh, an honest account of their final sentence, which is that they never intended me to come back, and 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 were were set hard on on aus- ousting me from any sort of their business dealings. For uh, for humans, it's been a scant few years since I've suffered the shame that I bore. For a dwarf, even less time. To think that uh, a spot of coin in a few short years might mend the wounds that I inflicted on, you know, their great tradecraft. Was it not 40 years, cousin? Yeah, aye. Which is to say that some of those very same bureaucrats, what what passed the sentence are, are likely still in still in their chairs. Humans be though they be. And no anyone many, not, I take it. The, but the fact that, ah, uh, Baird, how many, how many humans have you seen born and grown old in your days? The fact that any would still be there shows to me how short of a time that the, that that has passed. <laughs> Says uh, uh, the memory of of that city and and their their dealings, their their honor, their pride, their their love for their city runs deep. And I wanted to, I wanted to tell you. I wanted to tell you that the 50,000 gold that I bring with me, I don't see it as the easy solution that perhaps I've let on. It takes a pause. This whole time, Aurora's just been like, she's been polishing, uh, uh, polishing some of the chrome. Mock spent enough time with her to know that, like, she's finished up on the job, and now she's, like, finding additional things to just, like, keep her hands and kind of, like, eyes busy while she's listening to this. And it's not until he stops that she sort of stops and looks at him, but she's waiting for Baron to speak. Uh, I think you can listen, Lass. He invited you up here, too. This is for both of you. She says, yes. I'm listening. I I have not spent as much time with you, Mock, as your cousin, of course. She says, but I will admit spending my entire life with my father and his business and much of it in the human world, the town of Silvery Moon, a city of Silvery Moon uh, says, I've always had in the back of my head these thoughts that you are now expressing. This 
this fee, this such a unfathomably large fee for what you had done or for what had happened, she says. Uh, he says, it's never quite sat right with me. Your instincts are true, lass. Your, your instincts are true. You can thank my father for that when we see him soon. And as to your question, Bear, I intend to do. And as to your comment, Aurora, of thanking your father when soon we meet, I have somewhat of a plan myself. And I... I hope to ask the help of your father and hope that perhaps the safe return of his eldest daughter puts enough of a smile on his face that he might help me. She raises her eyebrows. Both of them. He says, your your father is a true dwarf and a crafter that I respect. But more so than that, the day I walked into your shop and saw the resources that he was able to acquire, the quality of his gems, the network and uh, far-reaching trade that he, has, he had leveraged, uh, it inspired me. It gave me a thought and uh, was the true meaning, the true reason why I offered a partnership with him. Such a deep connection on such a short notice. Dwarves do not typically move such so quickly with parties so little known. But Barvik was someone who struck me as as an ally and presented me a, a path forward. He brings out he takes out one thing from it, one small item from his his pouch. A single one of the storm opals and he says this is not the only rare and quality material that we've we've gathered from our travels. And at this point, he's smiling as he rolls it in his fingers and just kind of like, just really palpates the very kind of unique quality of this extremely rare and valuable precious stone. He says, I've acquired quite a few of these items that huh, you'd have to walk a thousand miles in any direction, and I'd be lucky to find any one of these. Because if I can craft something truly marvelous, something that will really impress those those stuffy and stuck-up and intransigent bureaucrats in Waterdeep, perhaps I'll be able to negotiate my way back into their graces. And then maybe I'll be walking away with 50,000 gold earned for my hard work and for a change of heart. So we'll see. We'll see what, what Barrick says. We'll see how he feels once you return home, Aurora. Aurora we'll is smiling ear to ear. You have for me, Bear. We'll see what counsel you have for me, Bear. So you're willing to uh, make a sale instead of paying a fee? He takes a small bow and he says, would you expect any less? Well, you always were a bit of a shrewd negotiator, so I hope your plan works. How can I help? He says, we, we need to, we need to wow them, Bear. 
We need to grab their attention. We must inspire them. And I need allies to simply walk into a room of those who I know nothing about and expect to say the right things. It's unlikely. What he you're looking for is respect? <laughs> and yeah, he says yes. And this plan, this plan is, it's the better way to go. That's, that's proper respect, not trying to buy the honor that you could earn. He gestures at Ben and he says, Ben, more than anyone, any of those facets, anyone that I know, you have become the great man. You, powerful and connected like no, no other. Your, your changes these past months. Ah, just the, the aura, you com- your wisdom, I, I feel like your presence in Waterdeep. Ah, uh, you'll be a very different person than you were these months ago when you rode there to, 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 to save, what was the name of the guy? Shit, who do we ride with to save? You like saved someone in a temple in Waterdeep. Who was that again? It was the the one son from the from the curse. Yes. Yes, that's right. You're not the same. You're not the same. Yes. The Acrely kids. One of the kids was the daughter. Oh, you're talking about then? Yeah. Adult children. It was the the, adult human children. Yeah. Yeah. Says if if Uh, you. It has been quite. That seems like such a long time ago, and yet it's only been some months, I suppose. Uh, Moradin has truly been crafting me into the tool that he needs for his purpose, I suppose. If I can have one righteous man speak for me amongst those lords and gather allies for me amongst their ranks... It's you, Bear. Says, find a way to gain their trust that they may hear me. And if they can listen, if they can really listen and see what I truly propose, I, I may have a shot. I may win them. He mm. says, but I feel that their hearts are hard. Some not there from these years past. And if I just walk in and try to turn things around with a, a wink and a, a joke, I'll be cast right out. Help me prepare them. Perhaps Morden perhaps Morden is the right line of thinking here. What if what you made with that opal, which she's her eyes have been like kind of locked on the whole time since she turned around. Perhaps if what you made from that opal, could you make something to honor Baronar? If you don't know, which your characters definitely know. Baronar, Baronar True Silver. Baronar True, yeah. Okay, so Baron knows. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the sort of Hera of the uh, Dwarven Pantheon, wife of, wife of Morden, and also just, you know, think home and hearth and healing and some other, I forget all her aspects. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember all the aspects, but yeah, the w- wife wife of Morden and part of the uh, Dwarven Pantheon. Yeah. Um, what if a crown or a mace, her chosen weapon, 
with Baron at your side, and a uh, uh, and a weapon or a, or a uh, trinket sounds like too lame of a word, or a, or a great a great work of art to honor her. Hmm. That must that must soften even the hardest of hearts. I must present them with art which they value, art which speaks uh, their pride. To show them that I, I now value that which they, which they were trying to defend, with that which I slighted so deeply with my black-hearted greed. She is the it's patron been 40 of loyalty. Years. <clears throat> it's been forty years. Who, who are the people who booted you from the city? Who passed judgment upon you, and who is likely to? Uh, do so again. I mean, was it a council? How many? He says that the the districts of Waterdeep are are powerful in and of themselves, but above them all, trade, uh, nobility, uh, among, above all these districts sits a powerful council full of bureaucrats. Uh, the city, uh, uh, a, a a true civilization with expansive trade and great influence, rivaling many of the dwarven cities. Not all, but many. And, uh, to this council, what sits above all, I was past judgment in the highest court, cousin. He says that my, <laughs> truly the, the network that I was fallen in with itself had a blacker heart than even I knew at the time. But compounding my own folly was ugh, the unscrupulous pubis what shone the, the light onto the, the, the darkest parts of my betrayal who raised me up in front of all who might benefit from my judgment and execution. Uh, was in some ways a worse outcome for even death may have been better and some days I still think it. But those bureaucrats, those that same council exists today and has for centuries ruling over Waterdeep. Who those members are now, I, I cannot say, but I, I will be surprised if they were all gone. They, their lives are soft. Their pockets are deep. Their power and influence is great. Is there a human patron deity? Uh, is there a Actually, human patron, patron deity? deity? Like Morden is the god of the dwarves or something like that? His or? name is Brandis. <laughs> That's well said. Is, is Waterdeep primarily a human city? I don't remember logistics on yes. as far as... Yeah. It's extremely diverse, but it is. Yeah. So the council members are likely to be mostly human. I'm going to suggest Isn't that we bond a common human god. G O N D. Yeah, there, there are a whole bunch of human pantheon gods. Lathander. Uh This conversation. My thought is that Bernard True Silver, while honored amongst the dwarves, perhaps may not receive as great a consideration among those who are judging you. Find out what deities they honor. Uh, an, an artifact crafted to that deity may 
Uh, mode influence, a thought. Don't we, we, we will sit with Barvik. We will meet on this. But I, I wanted to tell you the truth of it. And so that in these coming days, we may prepare. If you're, if you're willing to help me bear, and if Aurora, there's a, a, another chapter to be spent with these facets of fate. I'm willing to help you, cousin. Uh, it does feel like we're on a bit of a, a time crunch. I know we were supposed to rendezvous with Deja in a month's time. And the travel will take its own toll, so... Uh, I think we're up for this challenge. He crosses his arms and says, I told Taita, if I'm to craft anything worthy of slaying or getting, then I'll need to take care of this first. And if there's one person that can tell Deja to wait her goddamn turn, it's going to be her. Let's focus on our business, cousin. Aurora. On the timeline will work itself out. All right. And with thoughts swirling through Mock's head and Aurora and Bairn on the days to come, Snowbane's gift makes its way day by day to Silver. I guess it's only two days, I said. Uh, Yeah, so day by day. One day, then by one day. uh, Then arrives at Silvery Moon. Are you taking Snowbane's gift into Silvery Moon. Last I, recall, last I recall, we were wanted by the authorities of Silvery Moon. That's they right. wanted to take the airship, and I think they were mad at us for taking it. So we may not be on the best footing with them. All right, so then it, I think, I, I was going to say, I think it's unlikely that we'd also get this close without being reached out to by the creator of the ship with all of her means and wiles. So, uh, so that means... Well, Baron can send a message. How do you avoid being seen? Baron, you're going somewhere. Go what does Grumbar suggest? We probably shouldn't go into town if this airship was a wanted item by the local authorities. I do recall that. How do you recommend... We avoid being seen as we approach. Well, let me just turn our, on our invisibility. Of course I don't have one of those, Baron. We should set it down outside the city and walk in. Great, but we are flying, so how do we avoid as we get Oops, within so walking our burn. <laughs> That's called a grum burn. Oh, burn. Yeah. The, uh, the creator of this wing digger. Reaching out to her, she might have a good idea. Uh, this is this is not a world where where people have radars and uh, even in nope. real life, airplanes <laughs> cannot be spotted by our technology. You can approach the city however you'd like. Just tell me how. What do you What do you do? What by what manner do you uh, do you set down and and uh, approach the city? How about that forest to the south west? Yeah, find a clearing there. Maybe fly low. Right outside the... That way we're not so high so people can see us. Wait, didn't we... Wait, isn't that the forest? Yeah. Isn't that that the forest that you murdered some people, Bairn? 
that's already fought the bandits. <laughs> that's what I said. That's a grumble. You I think you do have a selective memory, Baron. Where's Essen's Lake around here? I was just I thinking the same thing. Map. I thought it was north of Silvery Moon, but uh, let's. Uh, Might have been a different map. Yeah, all the maps are a little bit different nuances. I'm almost positive it was north of Silvery Moon. So. Okay. Yeah. Little forest. So you bring it down the uh, group, and Grumbar brings it down low. Grumbar, roll. Oh fuck! Piloting <laughs> uh, chair. Yeah, let's go with a. Nichols uh, uh, is a tool. Ooh. So I'm a saber. What did you say, uh, Kevin? Vehicles is a tool. Ah. Proficient in vehicles. I'm technically proficient in vehicles water because there is no airship background that I could find, but I am a sailor. It turns out Grumbar is not proficient in airship. Actually, I think this is an actual... I would like Grumbar to roll a... It's a metaphor. You sail the air. Mm. I would like uh, Grumbar to roll a stealth... uh, a stealth wisdom check. Okay. See, that's us going, uh, it's us doing the thing, right? Stealth is normally dexterity, but yeah, in this I like case, it. I in this like case it. it's more about, uh, it's more about, you know, your ability to, to, to pilot and understand how to, how to do this without being seen. So a stealth, um, a wisdom check and go ahead and add a proficiency for the airship. Okay. If you don't so I'm just going to talk, already. uh, excellent. We'll do. So just going to talk this out. I have two, four, no, that's my, that's my initiative. My proficiency is four. So this is wisdom. Four proficiency plus three is my uh, wisdom bonus. So that's a plus seven to this guy. And the roll is going there. Wonk, wonk, wonk. That's a total of 19. Ooh, a 19, not bad. Bad for a first roll. Oh, as, the DC wasn't 20. As, uh, <laughs> as everyone is watching Grumbar's excellent... Uh, so what is it... What is it what does it look like? Is is does Grumbar is he just taking it low? Like yeah, you're going to the exactly what at at Baron's at Baron's request. I, think, I like the idea that Baron's like take it in slow. That was Baron. No, that was not Baron, but you get the idea. He was saying to he <laughs> really wanted us. I'm not really sure what that voice was. Uh, wanted us to take in low. So Baron, so um, <clears throat> Grumbar pilots uh, really low. He he comes in kind of south. Uh, and going in through the right above the treetops um, until he until like really skimming the tops of the uh, of the trees there to avoid um, any kind of line of sight you know even a clear day kind of thing to really keep uh, this someone even in the outskirts of Silvery Moon wouldn't be able to see us um, and then uh, slows it down and, and keeps an eye out for a clearing and within a safe the safe distance away um, finds a clearing and tries to set it down very quietly. We haven't really established how much noise the airship itself makes. Have we yeah, talked about the, that? Yeah, the stealth here is more about is more about big long distances. It's about right, approaching right. so people don't see, setting so down he, on he the takes ground it quietly wide and specifically stays in like the lowest point of the forest and kind of follows like a little of the like, little bit of a foresty kind of canyon run. Avoids um, towns and roads. And uh yeah, and then finds a little quiet little grove. The clearing finds an air balloon festival and just <laughs> snowbane's gift. In. And with that, snowbane's gift is set down in a quiet grove. 
just a couple hours travel to go by foot uh, into Silvery Moon. Greg, do we have any appropriate Silvery Moon music? Yeah. Oh, we, we were still sailing. Now I've got... Let's it's see. an elven city of magic. I didn't set up... Uh, we'll use this one. Do you believe in magic? And elves. I wish it wasn't the same as the Rebels Lift music that I already used, but I forgot and to prepare And a moonlight different... bridge. There's a bridge made of moonlight. Please don't forget that. Mm-hmm. Where you got high. <laughs> and the whole city has right. magical... There are like signs everywhere. Come see the moonlight, the moonlight bridge. bridge. Oh, yeah. I got high. Bridge. Drusen specifically could not make the fountain go foggy because All right. of the magic. So, <laughs> Mock and Bairn um, and Aurora and I assume Grumbar. Unless uh, Grumbar's just going to stay with the ship. No, he's... Uh, I need to figure out why he would go with the party. I'll he's got a uh, he Essen, to talk to the Essen, ship lady. Essen volunteers um, to stay with the ship. He says, I'm not so confident in uh, in uh, the repairs that we made to the uh, containment field here, so this will be a good opportunity. I'll spend a couple days here uh, um, working with the uh, feisty little sprite down here. And uh, if, yeah, if I can keep an eye on the place. And, oh, you don't have the uh, speaking stone. Or the speaking stone goes to the other party, but uh, it's all uh, yell and scream if I need your help. Um... And if you guys uh, maybe see Grumbar packing up his uh, a backpack to go into town with you, um, uh, he says, You may have forgotten that I was an old acquaintance of the builder of this ship before you all bumped into her. Oh, yeah, booty call. Yeah, Grumbar needs to get his shell waxed. Guilty. She's the best shell waxer on the West Coast. She's just <laughs> such a steady That's hand. She really knows how to get the wax off, if you know what I mean. So he'll be, he will accompany the party. Couple hours travel on foot. Find yourselves approaching Silvery Moon. Silvery Moon is a large... Oh, wait. Are you raising your hand before they arrive at Silvery Moon, Kevin? Outside the gates, I would say. Outside the gates. Okay, so let me just set the scene for the gates. Um, Silvery Moon, big city. It's a time of peace. Um, it ain't a problem for anyone just walking in. You know, there's uh, uh, there's a little bit of you know there's guards. They look, but this is this is not a closed uh, this is not a closed gate city. Baron is wearing his Silvery Moon town clothes, which he still has. <laughs> Yes, I remember your disguise clothing. Everyone, everyone had their uh, nice clothing. Yeah. It was nice it clothing to fit in with what people were wearing in the city. That's yeah. right. Justin did not get that memo. All he right, just got really nice clothing. Uh, outside the gates, uh, you know, anytime you approach the city, there's going to be some people trying to take advantage of travelers uh, in order to sell their wares. And uh, you see one such stall. It's a traveling cart that's been converted into a pop-up shop. Uh, there's a hand-painted and carved sign that says Dragon Glass. Uh, that's really, like, nicely carved. And then beneath that, kind of just hand-painted letters that look a little hapdash. Is that a word? 
uh, that says uh, healing potions. And uh, there's a, 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 a dragonborn in front of it. It's a very large punch. And he's saying, healing potions for sale. Healing potions. Then he looks over. What? Master Hawk? Looking towards Mock. Mock kind of does a double take because, you know, it's just not that common that he's called Master Hawk these days. And uh, typically not in this town either, a place where he has fewer personal connections. But he uh, meets the gaze of this uh, dragon board and he says, uh, Hail. Aurora and- will re- really quickly just like mm-hmm. lean in to Mock and says, Be wary of those healing potions. Anyone at Silvery Moon selling legitimate goods would be making enough money for a proper store. Mock also knows that Aurora can get a bit elitist about uh, <laughs> those with permanent storefronts and those uh, he with tra- have a with traveling stalls. Um, yeah, it doesn't come out a lot, but seems to uh, back now back here at Silvery Moon, she's not keeping that opinion quiet. Yeah, and, uh, and Mock, it's not like he like is unfamiliar with that sort of opinion. It's really only his rougher life that he's led recently that has pulled him away from a similar opinion. But uh, he, he gives her he gives her like that nod, like you know, appreciating the the advice. She's she's uh, meaning well, and then uh, I just kind of well. So he says hail to address this person, and uh, then makes almost as if he's going to keep walking, kind of like yeah, you know, yeah. how you doing? Uh, the the dragon glass name does pull at Monk's memories and. Thinking back to Waterdeep, actually, he recalls some other dragonborn, a couple who owned a glass blowing shop called Dragon Glass, who had uh, faced some challenges in Waterdeep that Mock had helped smooth over in some way. Um, and he, I mean, this was, you know, a while back, a generation ago for Dragonborn. So you don't think it was this guy. Yeah. Um, but Mock has some kind of memory of a favor being owed that over the decades was never repaid. So the Dragonborn comes up to you again. You see he's very tall. Not quite as tall as Barajah, but very tall. And just all over a big guy. Big chins, big belly. He's got a... He's not, is wearing kind of uh, nicer traveling clothes that you see is uh, kind of in thread is picked out with the insignia of Bahamut, god of dragons. And he says, Bahamut be praised. Is that you, Master Hawk? All fortuitous. And uh, kind of ignoring the fact that you're walking towards the gate. He uh, kind of just like approaches you and like holds you by the shoulders. Yeah, uh, I mean, he, he seems Aurora. Aurora just uh, as he gets close, Aurora just says, "Not interested," and like keeps walking, and then looks back to see what Mock's gonna do. Oh no! I mean, if they're a good price, 
So uh, he says, oh, I'm interested. No, <laughs> don't buy those healing potions. Uh, it's oh. a total ripoff. Mox is a little confused, but also like just has this big chunk of, you know, person in front of him. And he's kind of like, you know, slowing. See, like, should I go around? And he's just like, uh, say your business here, uh, friend. What, uh, what can I do for you? We, we have business in the city. Cinder. City. Oh. Oh. I. My mother and father owe you a favor. And it is by Bahamut's blessing that I. I get to repay it. Ho, 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 ho. Here we go, oh. Aurora says. <laughs> you hear a guard, the n- nearest guard says, Oi! That man bothering you, folk. Mark just holds his hand up and he says, "Ah, uh, I, I appreciate the gesture, uh, uh, so, so, so Dragonborn, but it's totally unnecessary. I, I seem to recall something, but uh, I'm sure it was nothing grand. Uh, buy, buy me a beer when next we meet in the pub. Uh, make it two, and we'll call it even." Oh no, cousin. Debts are an important thing. I mean, if this man feels he owes you something, let's at least hear him out. Who were your parents? He says, mother and father. They owned a glass glowing, glass glowing, glass blowing business in Waterdeep. They always told me, Master Hawk, dwarven master of his craft, Saved them. They would be out on the street if not for him. They told me if I should see him to pay forward their debt. And now, on this day of days, mm. he says, He cracks his head and he says, I. I probably remember a thing or two about it, but as I said, there's no, there's no requirement to pay any sort of debt. It, your parents were, were also like excellent glass blowers themselves, and the materials that I use were, uh, were bought at a fair price, and uh, were uh, an exceptional part of some of that work that I did. No mind. No mind that they were down on their luck, and others were taking advantage, offering them an unfair price for what was a quality good. It was putting them right out of business. I simply gave them their due. Nothing beyond that. And uh, merits no special service in my eyes. He says, are you going back to Waterdeep? He looks over to his cousin. His cousin looks at him. <laughs> says uh what uh and what if we were <laughs> run away <laughs> that was a very you. sinister laugh he just has like this deep voice comes from his chest he goes you you still have many enemies amongst 
the merchants of Waterdeep, Master Hawk. You will need eyes on your back. I will be those eyes. By Bahamut's breath, I will not rest until you are safe in Waterdeep. And he puts his hands towards the sky, says, Bahamut has shown me the way. And he turns back to the, sh- the shop. He says, Rob, let's close up shop. What? Mars, what do you mean? We just opened up over here. Ah, we, I just unpacked all these these beakers. Uh, all right, fine. You just hear a bunch of, like, crates being knocked over and a bunch of clinking glass. Oh, Very God, please angry, be a gnome. Angry dwarf. Oh, God. Angry dwarf. Lovely. <laughs> I mean, now, now Mock's looking at Baron again, who is... Much better at sizing people up character-wise. Like, Mach will size people up in terms of their, like, coin on hand and ability to make a good bargain. But in terms of, like, character and should we spend significant time much more in the area of a cleric. And he's looking back at, like, Baron for, like, some sort of assessment here. Baron looks at these individuals and gets the sense that they're player characters. <laughs> <laughs> they seem trustworthy. At some point, the PC uh, magic does have to set in. There's just no way around it. It's ne- never in the history of D&D has anyone been able to introduce a player character without oh, some yeah. amount of, all right, oh, we're going to... feeling about these strange you. people. <laughs> <laughs> You didn't earn that 50,000 coin purely through your own sweat and efforts. The facets of fate felt like the right name for a reason. You happen to find a person who happens to owe you an old family debt when you just happen to need some help. Mark kind of sours his face and he's like, (laughs) so even on my business, the fates are going to come and... and, uh, pull some strings, eh? Ah, so be it. It's worked out this far. The, uh, Dragonborn bows before you. You see, by the way, his scales are, uh, a deep red. Uh, but on closer look, have many other kind of colors running through them. You see some veins of brass, um, and the edges of the scales. There's just a little line of green on them. And he bows deep and he says, I am Massimo. Massimo? Isn't that a... I know that word from somewhere. I know where you know so, it from. But but today, it's it just going to be Kevin's... Uh, it's a clothing brand they sell at Target. There we go. That's it. It's also an Italian famous designers. Like, fashion designers. That's like, true. Wolfgang Puck is an incredible chef, and he sells frozen pizza. Massimo yeah. is a renowned international designer, and he makes cheap shirts to make a lot of money. I didn't know Those that. So and he is me. in the Forgotten Realms. Like, Massimo is a reasonable any other comparison. Shirt. 
I have crazy long arms and a short trunk, and Massimo shirts fit me better than any shirt I have ever worn. But this you is say they fit you I like agree. Massimo's scales fit him? Yes. Uh, this oh, Massimo is named after an Italian actor I really like. So ah. That's this Massimo. Now I know it's an Italian name. A, I did not know. Yes. But yeah, he bows and he says, mm, Come, Rob. We're going into silvery mood. What about uh, what about the business? What? Uh, uh, we shall find our fortune elsewhere. So we're, you, you've got another plan to make money, do you? No. Mark's kind of like blowing his eyes now. <laughs> so these are a bunch of uh, old friends of yours, is that right, Mozzie? I owe a favor, and as you know, Rob, favors are very important. All right. <laughs> uh, well, Rob doesn't <laughs> sound convinced. Uh, Baron approaches Rob. Rob is a dwarf? Rob is a dwarf. Rob is a dwarf. Well met! Baron Baldurk, cleric of Moradin, hailing from Mithril Hall. Who do I have the pleasure of meeting? Well, it's nice to meet you, Baron. My name is Robert. Robert Underhand Delvenar. Oh, Delvenar! My cousin is uh, from that hold. He's been outcast some decades. Uh, oh, what was his? I would know Drustin's actual name, not Green. Yeah, it's Delvinar. <laughs> it's Delvinar. It's, Del- it's just Delvinar. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? uh, uh, just, just a little lesson. Uh, Delvinar is his family name, right? And and Gontelgrim yeah. is the name of the hold. Yes. Oh, so this is a relative. So Delvinar's family yes. name. Yes. Delvinar! I think we're family! Uh, well, that's a long story. Do you know, story. name is just Drustin's parents. <laughs> Vistra. What, say that again, I thing? forget their names. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's fine. He cast, he cast remember Ma and Drustin's... Pa Delvinar. Ma and Pa Delvinar. Ma and Pa Delvinar. <laughs> I just remember they're based on the parents of the marvelous Miss Maisel. So just imagine those two. Okay. Is that Tony Shalhoub, one of them? Is that who you're talking Yeah, Tony Shalhoub is Drewston's father. Are you familiar with more Tony got <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> now he's really sad. <laughs> um, uh, Del- you know the name Delvinar, huh? Do you, did you mention Drewston Delvinar? Uh, uh, you mentioned his parents? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I know those names. I come from the, a different branch of the Delvinars, the underhand Delvinars. It's a long story, but uh, I do. We are a bit re- related, but not directly. But I know of Justin. He's the exiled one. Aye. Poor kid. Been, uh, he's my cousin. Been traveling with him for some ah. time now. Well, from what I know of him, he's a, he's a good lad. So you must be good folk too if you're friends of his. Ah, uh, aye, aye, aye. Well, uh, it makes it a bit easier for me to 
want to tag along with you, seeing how this old, uh, this old dragonborn here is stubborn, doing all of his, uh, uh, his debts, trying to help people. I don't know what's up with that, really. But I, I help him. That's what I do. So if you'll have me, I'll tag along with you and see what I can do. And if, if you're friends of his, I'll help you too. Aye. And if coin is what you're after, I'm sure that we'll probably come upon some in our effort. Mm. Seems to always happen. Coin is always nice, but uh, you enjoy uh, need. the appropriation of coin. You get my drift. You don't need material rewards. <laughs> Remember? I must. I was telling you about Sir Danmore of Bahamut. And when he gave up all his gold and armor to help. And he goes into a little story. Meanwhile, he's like putting on the yoke for this cart and just starts dragging it with you guys. I'm sure if if Aurora is there, she would maybe pipe up something about her name after a famous paladin of Bahamut. Aurora is not. Aurora is not there. (laughs) Uh, She had walked away once Mock was entertaining these uh, these they wouldn't even they're not even they're not street vendors they're the they're the outside town vendors it's like it's even a like a rung of hierarchy We're lower traveling vendors it's the traveling, traveling vendors so as soon as mock was entertaining the traveling vendors she you walked away and she's actually you, you look over she's chatting with one of the guards at the uh at the gate this is the flea market we found them at the flea market yeah where it's the it's the food truck night <clears throat> but healing potions uh all right, healing potions are not worth buying, you see. Well, I mean... Rob found the potions. I made the bottles. The bottles are good. Well, you see, what the, what Moz means is that uh, I can trust you, but uh, what he means is that I stole them. I stole them from criminals, you see. So these are all hot, hot goods. Uh, but I have no... I have no qualms about selling these, you know. I'm but, so you know, happy. I mean, since you're friends, I'm willing to give you them for a discount. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> do they... Family discount. Are they potent? Do, are they effective? I, uh, I, uh... Well, to be I honest... You're well, not a doctor, you can't make claims. He grabs, a, he grabs one from one of the crates that he was loading into the cart. And, uh, it's uh, the bottle's a fancy shape. Maybe this one's like a unicorn with a the horn is the stopper. Yeah, it's <laughs> yes. all of that is fancy. Baron uh, using his medicinal skills and healing magics tries to assess the quality of these healing potions. <laughs> you gotta sample a little bit. You find out what a, t- a potion is by tasting it Give. per the rules. It's a roll. Kevin. Kevin. Give it a roll. He's the one that grabbed the potion as a representative sample. How good (laughs) is this? This is just a luck roll. So this is just a d20. All right. A d20 is just a luck roll. Holy shit. An 18. (laughs) Baron, when you... uh, 
When you give this uh, a whiff, maybe a little, maybe a little drop on the tongue once, uh, yeah. once your, once your dwarven nose uh, gives it the all clear for any potent poison, at least. Uh, and surprised uh, you may be to find uh, that it uh, has quite a potent, uh, quite a potent healing aura to it. Uh, a little strange, though, something you haven't seen before, is that while you're fairly certain that there is a some potent healing energy in here, uh, it's uh, it smells very strongly of roses. Just really strong. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I ah, do like the smell. This, well, to be honest, I don't know if this is a good one. As far as I can tell, it's good as any other I might come across. Like what are I, you selling them for? Uh, I just think of a number that comes off the top of my head. Whatever I feel like, actually. Well, uh, I think going rate is typically about 50, but considering they're hot. Mark, what do you think? You once dealt in this sort of business. <laughs> Mark was standing there like shaking his head. <laughs> like, like Tony Corley or like like Michael Corleone, they're just trying to pull him back in. And he's like Well there, buying hot merchandise on the gates of the at the gates of the city where we're preparing for the kinds of tasks we are. It's probably not the best way to start out this adventure. He well, says, I'll tell you what, friend. My, my cousin makes a fine point. But uh, if, you know, you still have these in a few days, I'll be happy to buy a half dozen off you, say. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, really, what you're buying is this beautiful glasswork. From <laughs> Dragonborn right over here, my friend Moz. I You're mean, making me blush. <laughs> now Mock actually gives him a little bit of a nod, like as as deftly as he pivoted the sail away from the hot guns and towards the beautiful thing, and he's like, Alright, maybe I can deal with this dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> he says, uh, it's a beautiful piece of artwork, but no potions for now, as Baird said. If uh if you'd like to join us and need some more time, we can give you the name of the hotel. Of the inn where to meet us. It's called the Golden Something or Other, and it's very overpriced. The Golden Oak? Are you going back to the Golden Oak? Is that the plan? Fuck yeah, we're going to the Golden Oak. I'm so happy. Give him a piece of my mind and try to make good. As See if I can cash in some VIP fucking credit from these assholes. All right, so he tells him the Golden Oak. Damn straight. As you walk towards and through the gates of Silvery Moon. You're close enough to Aurora. Uh, you hear Aurora speaking to one of the guards there. Sounds like they must know each other. She's saying, Oh well, yeah, I've been busy killing monsters, liberating villages. And she looks at her knuckles and runs her thumb across them. Says, you know, adventurous stuff. Oh, looks like my party is ready to uh, embark. I better join up with my party. They're right over there. That's my party, and uh, and Never she waves goodbye. Kind of we'll she into. waves goodbye to the guard, and uh, 
The guards is like smiling and and uh, tilts his head to look at her as she uh, joins back up with you. How does it feel to be home, Aurora? Says it's nice to see so many familiar faces. Says I am looking forward to seeing my father again. Yeah, Mark smiles. He's happy for her. <laughs> Says I have to say, I've been pretty pleased with your uh, with the revelation that you're going to stay here to to take care of some business. It'll give me a little more time with my family that I wasn't expecting to have. Oh, wonderful. Ah. I will say, though, and she looks up and, like, looks over at the skyline, such as it is in Silvery Moon. If you remember, Silvery Moon, compared, especially compared to almost any other surface town, is very uh, integrated into the, um, the trees, the forested area here. The, 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 it's, a, it's a big, very human-like city in its sort of density, um, but the fa- but it's built in with you know all these trees. The Golden Oak itself is you know famously built around one of the largest, most uh, glamorous trees there. Uh, anyway, she um, he says it does feel a bit smaller somehow. Hmm. And they uh, continue to chat as they head through the gates. The streets are familiar. It's not that long ago since you were last here and you spent uh, some considerable time uh, here before you set out on Snowbane's gift back before it even had its name. It's easy enough to find the Golden Oak, probably your first order of business since you got packs to to put down. Um, doesn't seem to be a big uh, trade festival coming up in the next week, uh, and Thanks. vacancies are uh, are plentiful across the many places. It's also fresh off of winter. We are right right at the beginning of spring. Not the most common traveling uh, season here, although it will be picking up. So streets. So yeah, go ahead. Well, I'll say without diving too deep in the dialogue and making a, a big scene of it. Mox simply wants to share the point that they paid several weeks of time during the height of the uh, the festival and how this might be a wonderful opportunity to, you know, make good on some of those earnings and truly gain some loyal customers for life or double down on, uh, you know, taking advantage of our situation and not giving us any considerations, in which place we're happy to find another place to bring our loyalty for future. And he makes the point fairly graciously, you know, hiding as much as possible the frustration that he had to deal with before on their departure. Uh, give me a persuasion check. That you got. All right, let me bring over my... What's it, 11? Oh, shoot. I don't even have D&D Beyond open. Sorry, I'm bad. Yeah, happens. Very shortly. I usually have my other computer here, which I don't have in Yuba City, so. Oh, you're not at home. No, I'm not at home, yeah. That's the only reason. I missed that. That isn't the normal setup. It'll be just two seconds here, though. And 
I do wish we had easier access to our character sheets inside Tabletop Simulator. That would be nice. It's all good. Yeah, but that would be... I don't know how that can be done. It's loading now. I mean, we can export PDFs and put them on the table, but it seemed like a lot of work. 16. Persuasion. 16. 16 persuasion. How do you present your party here to get such a result of 16? Certainly a not a yeah. shabby, not a shabby uh, uh, bit of persuasion at all, uh, but no. not, uh, you know, not Mock's best work either. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, he, he can do better on his best day, but this is above average still. Um, and it's, it is, he leans into the, 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 the display of wealth, which should be present. Um, I, he knows, he knows that this is an upscale establishment. There are definitely many wealthy merchants, but what, what this party brings that they don't is the rarity of, again, the, the life that they lead. Like, wealthy merchants don't look like adventurers. He leans into, we're adventurers that seem to have survived and have gained special wealth. And so he has, I, I know always Baron has his, his cleric's symbol uh, and is looking fairly dapper. Um, you know, Mock, Mock himself has a variety of very, I mean, like, what the fuck do you think other people make of that illithid staff that he carries around? <laughs> like, that thing is so otherworldly and so just, like, bleeding magical energy that, like, he brings that, like, two feet from your face and you're, you'll probably have an afro. Uh, anyways, so he brings to bear some of the otter trinkets and oddities. Maybe he's playing with a storm whipple in this moment. Mock finds himself achieving a moderate degree of success in his endeavors as he presents this. The, uh, the staffer, the elven staffer at the, uh, at the front desk, remembers you for he, she, I think it was she. It's the same one. It's been a long mm. time in real lifetime since we and lost they... Silver Moon. I don't remember that yeah. detail. Uh, we'll say it's she, she, she elf. Um, uh, remembers you and the uh and the 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 gracious uh payment uh for your rooms last time and your reasonable treatment uh uh in the area is is remembered uh and your show of wealth does accomplish what you were hoping and the uh and the offer for a the offer to gain loyal uh loyal lifetime customers for such a place resonates and in the end you are offered the uh you are offered the private rate for the uh for the most loyal of uh the most loyal of privileged Regular. guests uh of this of this fine establishment it says and it, as it just so happens we have the rooms that you were assigned last time available for the next coming and flipping through uh, um, some parchment says a week and a half until it is next booked up would that be enough time for you it'll be a start and I appreciate your offer to uh, bury the uh, <clears throat> accommodate us <laughs> 
And with accommodations settled, the party is free to move on to business here in Silvery Moon. As Grumbar, uh, Aurora, Mock, and Bairn plop their junk down in that room. Do we want to talk out of character about the things we'd like to do? Just to maybe order things up. Yeah. Um, yep. Are we taking travel time into concern as far as, like, I don't know, order we have to do things, like make sure we get stuff done in a certain amount of time or something like that? Like, how long would it take us to travel to Waterdeep? That's it. That's what? I wasn't sure what the number on that would be. Waterdeep is expected to be another jump. Oh, we're going to jump to Waterdeep. Okay. Too far to sail there uh, with the time you've got. You could. You could if you cranked it, if you got lucky. But Essen has, uh, is eager to do more jumps because he's studying it and learning more each time. Okay. He's always advocating for it. Gotcha. Despite the repairs necessary. Um... But I mean, yeah, you guys are on a tight time table in general, but we're not counting the days here, but you're on a tight time table because, uh, you know, you've got three places that you want to hit here on the Sword Coast at a minimum, Silvery Moon, Mithril Hall, and Waterdeep, which itself is uh, a fairly long distance away. And then to get back, uh, you know, accounting for any uh, jump troubles uh, from a month after you left. So that's all, it's all urgency in, in... urgency is the wrong word let's say uh god what is the word there's a word sort of that means less panicky urgent means kind of anyway swiftness efficiency has been on the been on the mind and in the discussions (coughs) expediency expediency that's a good word um how long do you get to mithril hall from below a couple days a day it's 100 miles ish yeah, it's not very far. It's just a few days. A couple days. Okay. Um, I don't remember how fast the blood was. Um, okay. Uh, in Silvery Moons, we want to hit up Barvik. We want to hit up the Balloon Crafter Lady. Anybody else need to hit up in Silvery Moon, particularly? Uh, I mean, Mock, Mock has business to do with Barvik. Um, and he, you know, is... You know, he he has a stake in the outcome of Aurora, who is now yeah. a companion and has a big decision to make. Uh, other than that, there's not a lot of particular interest. Um, you know, he's keeping his head on a swivel. This is a place where they came in and out fairly quickly. Yeah. Um, so he wants to... Yeah, those are the things that he wants to do. Okay. Uh, why don't we have Barbara first? Just... To, to throw that in there, it's going to be basically gently following Mock around and basically acting as almost uh, kind of just an extra pair of eyes. When Mock goes into a building, he just kind of winds up sitting outside the door watching. Um, and Mock finds that Massimo is able to help him in situations of persuasion. He's just kind of like a, a large, gentle wave in those situations hmm. suggests as we go into situations like that. I, I would say he's a good compliment to Mock's general mm-hmm. conversational style, which is a little bit like overly intense and, and can be a little abrasive. And maybe Massimo just brings it down and everyone just kind of like communicates a little more smoothly. 
Okay. Um, we have a fair amount of day. So we go hit up Barvik. Sure, Aurora is eager to see her dad. Yeah, how would we like to do Aurora? Um, Aurora, also, is, Aurora is here to playing a character. She will be. Uh, okay. She's not here yet. Um, Aurora, you, you you guys you guys are driving your your business okay. here on the Sword Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So dri- dri- do do what you're here to do. That's that's Definitely. my my guidance to you. you got a lot, of, a lot of places to hit, a lot of business to do. You're here. Like Ready to do business? One, that's going to take the longest. So let's get that going. Then we'll hit up the aircrafter lady. I may go there with Grumbar after and leave you with Barbic. Okay. What's what's the aircraft uh, crafter? Balanos. Balanos. There we go. The dryad. Mock. Mock tells Aurora after they get up to their rooms to like get ready. Like she's she's this is a homecoming. This is a victorious homecoming. He says, "Get ready." He says, "This we ought to do in style." Uh, and uh, Aurora has already been like putting on her armor, and uh, she's sharpening her swords. Uh, which she already did, like yesterday, on the airship, and you haven't fought anything or used the sword since then, yet she's still just, like, just giving it that extra little thing. She's looking at it real carefully against the sun, sheathing each of the blades. Yeah. And Mach gets himself ready, too. Uh, I mean, yeah. He he prepares himself well to to make an entrance. And this is Varvik who knows them. I mean, he knows who they are as people. But, uh, you know, this is not a small deal. And their adventures have not been small. And the stories that he has to share with Varvik are not small in magnitude. And so he uh, he does that and rents, rents kind of a, uh, a courier for the day. Like someone who can, like, bring, like, a horse-drawn wagon that is, like, laden with, with just different goods. Like... There's just a, a significant amount of things that they're bringing back. Um, you know, of course, I- items of, of wealth, uh, but also items that kind of are are just kind of, you know, trade-worthy almost in terms of their, their, their stock and um, things that maybe have kind of communicate. A little bit tell more the, the dwarven story of someone who's gone and, and uh, traveled. And so he gets this ready, and there's a bit of a caravan feel towards uh, their uh, their approaching of uh, of Bar- Barvik. They're 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 coming home to Barvik. Massimo doesn't trust the driver of this caravan, this carriage. Who knows this could be a spy from Waterdeep? And also, I just realized he's proficient in land vehicles. Amazing. So when we start the drive, Massimo's just sitting next to the guy. Massimo takes up some space. <laughs> and uh, and by the time they reach Barvix, Massimo is driving the vehicle. Uh, and uh, the guy is just kind of sitting there talking about his family life and uh, an argument he had with his wife lately and stuff like that. Uh, when we and- arrive at Barvix, uh, Rob rolls out from underneath the carriage. You see him like he was he was holding <laughs> on to the bottom and then rolls out. And then gives a nod to Maz. Yeah, Moss like Aurora looks down and says, with one creepy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is creepy. And Moss <laughs> kind of looks at both of them and kind of gives them the hard stare, like, remember what the fuck we talked about here? 
<laughs> she says, traveling merchants. <laughs> if I don't so, do it, then some other person's going to sneak down there and do it. So that's how we know we're safe. There's a logic there. <laughs> I um, can't argue with him. Yeah. He, uh... God, do you feel safer all of a sudden? <laughs> what uh, what state is the is the business in? I mean, I, I, no reason well, to think that things fortunes may have changed, but like the world is a, a volatile place. The world is a volatile place. All that glitters is where you're pulling up to, and if you remember, all that glitters does not have a storefront right off of the main. Uh, the main road of the merchant area. Its its entrance is tucked into uh, is tucked into a fairly undecorated small road that juts off from the main thoroughfare. It's in the it's in the heart of things, but it doesn't present itself. Uh, if you recall, all that glitters uh, is its success is found with a customer base of people in the know. This is not for passerbys. This is not for window shoppers. Um, and so as you dismount from your cart, head on over to the entrance uh, of all that glitters, the door is shut and the window shutters are drawn closed. It's Mock or Aurora that knocks. Aurora does not step forward to knock. Mock boldly does so, right? Yeah. Like, they, I think he feels he feels strong reason to be able to come and, and treat with his business partner, which, as I explained when that went down, that's a very serious and close relationship between dwarves. Like, I would say something that's just below family to enter into these kind of partnerships. A... Uh... What would you call it? A shutter? A peephole? A classic, a classic medieval, uh, you know, peephole <laughs> uh, yeah. slides open, and you see the uh, and you see the brown eyes of a dwarven lady uh, looking back at Mock and says, "I'm sorry, we're closed right now." And then the eyes. Like you can see, the hand was like about to was like about to close it, but uh, her eyes narrow slightly and says, "Do I know you?" Does Mock know her? Uh, yes, uh, yes, of course. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mock recognizes. <laughs> Mock recognizes. You know, perhaps not at first, but it comes back. The eyes, the face of Helna, Aurora's sister. And uh, um, when she says, do I know you? She puts yeah. her face closer to the shutters and looks around the uh, outside of the door. And uh, Aurora's just has her hand up like this, just at her face, just barely waving it at her. And she says, Aurora! And uh, shutter closes, latch, 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 latch noises. Door swings open inward. And there you see Helna. Uh, you see Helna standing there, uh, eyes wide, tears streaming down her face as she as uh, as she says Aurora, and uh, and runs out to go give her a hug as they embrace. Mock Wonderful. sees this. 
But Mach also sees the inside of all that glitters. Gems scattered about the ground, splintered wood, uh, uh, splintered wood jutting out from uh, barrels and display cases, shelves torn down. The place is a mess. Ooh. Mock becomes angry and he says, What? A, has, I, so, does this look recent? Yes. This looks, uh, this looks, yeah, quite fresh. Mock pushes into the house and goes to see if there's currently trouble. Right? This is now, it's now like a situation of action. And he Bossimo. basically pushes through Lonely and he'll wave people in. And follows behind, taking out uh, a battered, fire-blackened longsword as he goes in. I've got to... Baird was not dressed for a fight, but he has his holy symbol, so... <laughs> so, don't fuck with Morden any day of the week. Let's see how this track is. What happened? Yeah, that works. We'd have a, a long conversation between Grumbar and Massimo. Uh, yeah, Mach, Mach so pushes forward, steps inside, and uh, and sees yeah the, the 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 chaos in here, but no immediate threat is visible to him. And uh, Helna, Helna says says it's father. It's father. He's he's been taken. As she uh, as she steps inside the place, Aurora following her. And Mock says, simply says, "Speak." He says, "Somebody came. I don't know who. I heard the commotion by the time by the time it was it was late at night. I was asleep, and by the time I came in." They were gone, and I found this. This was last night. So by fresh, I mean last night. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Um. Uh, Baron. Uh, immediately concerned and says, I told you we should have given him forewarning. Would have expected this. Offered to send a message before, and he immediately starts casting sending. To Barbic. Oh, you could go. And he says, sorry, getting my spell thing. It's like 32 words or something, right? Um, he says, Barbic, Baron Baldurk, I'm here at your home. You've been taken. Where are you? Are you well? Who has you? How many? How? Does sending work? <laughs> How many times have we asked this question <laughs> in the last two goddamn years? Um, the person we, we've talked about this is the person responding verbally or are they responding telepathically? No, no, I think it, telepathic. It is a telepathic response, right? That's the only yes. thing I need to I need to know. You send a short message of twenty-five words or less to a creature with which you are familiar. The creature hears the message in its mind recognizes you as the sender. If it knows you, it can answer in a like manner immediately. The spell enables creatures with intelligence towards at least one understand the media message. You can send them out at any distance. Okay. 
uh, even other planes of existence, but if the target is on a different plane than you, there's a 5% chance the message doesn't arrive. Um, Barvik has received sendings from Baron several times because Baron intentionally, we haven't done it explicitly, right. but Baron set that up so that if he wanted to communicate between him and Aurora, so Baron occasionally sends messages from Aurora. Yeah. And Ar- yeah, Aurora's exchanged, you know, occasional correspondence. Baron offered to send a sending to him of her arrival, but she wanted it to be a surprise. Right. Um, okay. Give me a moment here. just need to pull up my... Well, notes. it was a surprise. Clearly. Big time. Big time, big time. Uh, give me one moment here. Just pulling up my right notes. Master Hawk, I think someone broke into this shop. Uh. Slow down. (laughs) (laughs) You lost me. Baron, you hear in your mind the familiar voice of Barvik. Strained, a little more distant than usual. Metaphorically. Um, He says, Been taken. Put up a good fight, but I'm bound and held. I don't know where I am. It may be the Sons of Iron. Okay. He says, keep my daughter safe. This is a reverse. Keep my daughters. I'm about to say, did he say singular? (laughs) Keep my favorite daughter safe. Uh, well, of course, my favorite daughter. He says, is... "Keep my daughter safe." It's a stressful situation. If anyone wants to criticize him for his specific wording, <laughs> then they can go die on that hill. Can you do another sending? <laughs> we killed one of your daughters. That's what you wanted, right? Uh, Baron looks to Aurora and Helda and says, "Who are the sons of iron?" Uh, so let me fill you in a bit on that. The sons of iron rings out to you, Baron. And anyone uh, that hears it that's grown up on the Sword Coast. A well-known and highly feared mercenary group. The kind of... Uh, the real-life equivalent might be like a mafia-type thing. Not mm. mafia in this case, but, you know, that sort of like, uh, you know, ordinary folk. If there's a whiff of Sons of Iron going on, you don't... You 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 yeah. walk away and you don't you don't... You don't witness whatever that is if you are an ordinary person that uh, values their own uh, values their own safety. Ruthless. Uh, and they connected. operate they operate across the uh, Sword Coast. Ruthless, connected, dangerous. And you don't hear about them very often because, as such, a they are not a massive organization that you always hear about. They are an incredibly powerful organization, and therefore they are only involved uh, in uh, in extraordinary circumstances. Could it even be that the Sons of Iron were somehow involved with Massimo's parents and the 
how Mock got them out somehow, but maybe through, you know, payments or something like that instead of fighting. Would that make sense? Uh, perhaps so, yes. From, <laughs> from long ago, that makes sense to me. Just, yeah, just want to... Sure yeah, they've been around. They've been they've been around a while. It could be the sort of uh, the sort of thing they were involved in. I like Guns it. of Iron Master Hawk. Helmet's path is clearer than ever. No, they suck. I hate them. He says, uh, "Tell me more." Ah, well, all have heard of the sons, but I've never had any quarrels with them or any. A reason to seek it out, either. What dealings have you with the sons? You're asking, uh, what, Helma? I'm asking, uh, Massimo. Oh, <laughs> well, Kevin doesn't know much. <laughs> but, uh, he'll say, My parents pounded by them when they were glass blowers. And when I was a paladin in the temple. We would sometimes see their evil. Mm. Then he turns to Helen and he says, What connection have you to the sons? He says, I... I don't know what the sons could possibly want with us and my family. He says, We... Things have been quiet since you left. It's just been... The business as usual. I. It couldn't be the sons. Like, it couldn't says, be the sons. It's time for courage. He says, dry those tears, lass. He says, uh, your father needs us. Tell me. And Aurora stands what? up, gra- like grabs the arm in a supportive way of Helna to like get her up off the ground. She says, it's time for action. He says, where? Where does he keep his things? Where might he have information? Just his, his quarters. His, his quarters in the back of the shop. They didn't come back there as far as I know. He says, I only heard commotion here. He must have... Uh, and it's Aurora says, he must have put up a, must have put up a mighty fight. Just I did hear a lot of shouting. Mock looks over at Rob and he says, You said you're good at acquiring things. Says, uh, don't take anything that's don't take anything that's not yours, but find what can be found. Yeah, maybe in my younger days I would have, but you can trust me now. I only take from those who deserve to be taken from. He gives him a nod. Mm. Uh, have you got a, oh, go ahead. Have you got a piece of hair or beard or if you brush or something? I might be able to get a better eye of where he is. There's blood. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> a piece of blood. And I need to go. There's a smashed, uh, there's like a smashed sort of like display, um, display box, display cabinet uh, with broken glass and, uh, and blood uh, spewed about. Hmm. So I'm wanting to use the spell scrying. It requires a focus worth at least a thousand GP. And a list such as a crystal ball, a silver mirror, or a font filled with holy water. Uh, I have a 1,000 GP diamond, which I was saving to resurrect my wife. Do you think that would do the trick? I think that would definitely do the trick. Perfect. Uh, so, 
sweet dwarven scrying crystal that was meant to resurrect your wife is a pretty awesome scrying stone. <laughs> Maybe know. the best I've literally ever heard of. Awesome. <laughs> but right. just to clarify, it doesn't use it up, right? No. It's just a focus? Okay. It's just a focus. Yeah. Just double check. Uh, Baron grabs some of the blood uh, and whips out a fat diamond um, and starts doing some dwarven sort of prayer ritual incantations. This takes like 10 minutes to cast. Um, yeah. All right. So, uh, Baron what, is what, preparing that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. What will happen, just so you can think of it, uh, so if I know him well, yeah, this is a complicated spell. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll see... What is the effect? Uh, spell creates on a fail save. Uh, creates an invisible sensor within 10 feet of the target. You can see and hear through the sensor as if you were there. Wow. And the powerful. sensor moves with the target, remaining within uh, 10 feet of it for the duration. A creature that can see invisible objects sees the sensor as a luminous orb about the size of your fist. Um, and this lasts for... Uh, 10 minutes. Do you know where the sensor is when that happens? I didn't hear anything uh, that indicated that. Like, oh, so. I'm seeing it in, in the bar across town. Like, do you know no, where that looks? No, it's more like I get to turn on a security camera in a room. And you don't yeah. know where that security like camera a, is in the world. Okay, that makes sense. It, it's the classic crystal ball thing, right? In the crystal ball, you see yeah. the place. Yeah. Real quick, it, was it that anyone can see... People who can observer? see invisible things. Oh, people who can see. Okay, so but not just. So the it is a physical thing. object that is invisible by the rules. Uh, Creates an invisible sensor. Yeah. Gotcha. It's yeah. a okay. luminous orb about the size of your fist if you're able to see things that are invisible. Baron, using the diamond. He has to make a save, but that seems to be like if they don't want to be found. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Baron, using the diamond. And Barvik's blood. Yeah. Mock heading to Barvik's quarters to learn more. Uh, what's your name? Rob. Joe? Rob? Rob. Uh, Rob, like, looking through the a, shop for anything. named Rob. For anything but amiss. Less, <laughs> Grumbar and Massimo watching the commotion. Yeah, Massimo's walking around and he's casting mending on broken objects. Uh, I was going to do that too. <laughs> so Massimo and Grumbar repairing the shop. You know, yeah, the shop is just like an airship, which is the safest way to sell things. If you don't mind getting else. robbed. <laughs> so everyone else looks like they're taking their time. Uh, Only those two know that they are racing. <laughs> so, it's a little bit of a competition, right? Massimo and Grumbar are doing that. Uh, Aurora is uh, staying by Helna's side, uh, going into the quarters with Mock. It doesn't seem like Helna has given much uh, concern to a whole bunch of people coming into, uh, into their shop as all their goods are strewn about. Uh, call it... Uh, still being in shock uh, or perhaps uh, the 
cold, gripping fear of learning that the sons of iron may be involved, or perhaps it is simply the deep trust uh, between Barvik and Mock that uh, that causes their presence here to go trusted. Back, Greg. Can't find um, uh, Yes. Massimo will go over to is well, it Helena, you said? But hang on. So as all of this is happening, we will continue next week ah. is what I was going for. We had a couple people express uh, they would like to probably stop closer to 10 today. Uh, and I'm also up for that. Uh, I wish I had said it in advance because I didn't mean to blindside everybody. But I was assuming we were stopping at 10. So perfect. I'm not so good stopping point. And Kaylin's uh, character here in the West Coast will remain a mystery for Mysterious. this week. I had been checking really with Kaylin privately to yeah, make sure she I didn't hope that feel was okay, left right? Out. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. That was good. She, she's, she's got a good intro planned, and it's worth waiting for. So, no, no pressure. No pressure. I, yeah, I appreciate the intro of uh, Massimo, Rob, and the Sons of Iron into the adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm really. Uh, Did someone mention the Sons of Iron before? We had the, the Dwergar gang from. I, I will say this. If the Sons of Iron has been mentioned before in this campaign, then that was it's an oversight. Different. This okay. one is named Absolutely the same, the same I just, group. I could have sworn. 100% I, same group. <laughs>